0: I am Planta on the line in Vancouver, British Columbia, at thecommentary.ca. Betsy Warland joins me now. 21 years ago, she published a groundbreaking book, Bloodroot, Tracing the Untelling of Mother Loss. It is a book that is riveting and has resonated with readers, not just when it was published, but all these years later. So much so, uh, the book has been reissued, and this new edition has uh, a terrific foreword by Susan Olding, and an essay by Betsy reflecting on the book, its publication, her memory, and more. We'll talk about that and a lot more. At the heart of the book is uh, Betsy's relationship with family members, her mother in particular, and how that has shaped aspects of her life. There's a lot that's said and just as much unsaid. What we have here is prose, uh, prose poems, poetry, memoir, and blank spaces. It's as much a reflective book for the reader as much as it's been for its writer. The book has defied definition as Warland has been hailed as a trailblazer creating works that are not just in one genre. This point is underscored by the recent establishment of the uh, Vancouver Manuscript Intensive Betsy Warland Between Genre Award. Its intent is to honor books that disrupt convention, as Betsy's 14 other books have, The prize was handed out recently at the Vancouver Writers' Fest with Wade Compton as its judge and Betsy in attendance. The inaugural recipient is uh, Jordan Abel for his book Nishka. I'll ask Betsy about this prize in her honor, as well as Bloodroot and how she's reflected on family, memory, duty, aging, truth, imagination, then and 21 years later. Visit Betsy's website at uh, BetsyWorland.com. This new edition is published by Inanna Publications. Please welcome back to the Plant Outline Program, Betsy Warland. Ms. Worland, good morning.
1: Uh, good morning, Joe. Nice to talk to you again. Same,
0: same. I'm very happy to be talking with you again. So I understand that the, uh, the Writers' Fest, they, they had an event um, a couple of weeks ago. They, they um, gave out the first VMI, the, the um, Vancouver Manuscript uh, Intensive, Betsy Warland Between Genre Award. What was it like uh, a couple of weeks ago there at the Writers' Fest?
1: Oh, it was it was great. You know, it was the first time I've I had been in in a public space uh, with a lot of other people. Oh yeah. But it, yeah. You know, it was fifty percent capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that was an adjustment, but I, it was a it was actually a wonderful. One. There's a panel before, um, uh-huh. and it was excellent. And then this happened after that panel, um, and uh, yeah, it's. I don't know. It's hard to find words for it, but I'm quite over the moon about it. I wish this award hadn't existed before, mm. <laughs> but not under my name, so I might have been able
2: <laughs> <Right>, uh, <right. laughs>
1: entered into it. But I'm so so glad that it is now uh, recognized very much uh, as a as a as a what should I say a respectable way of putting together a book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the the winner was, was Jordan Abel for for. Yes. Uh, his book Nishka, yeah, um, which is a book that I just was, was incredibly moved by.
1: Absolutely, and you did a great you did a great interview with him too. Uh, thank,
0: thank you very much.
1: Yeah, 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 no, I I think very highly of Jordan uh, as a person and as a writer. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and so how how did this award come about? Because um, it, uh, it it's mentioned uh, in one of the uh, pieces in in the the new edition of Bloodroot. Um, was it an idea that you had, or, or who, how did well, how,
1: not at all? Right. You know, um, I had I had created VMI. I don't know, it was like sixteen years ago, something like that. Yeah. And gradually developed this over the years, um, and one of the ways I have been active in building community in Vancouver, to some, to some extent nationally too, um, which also. Uh, was creating for, for me, in some respects, a community as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had been doing a fair amount of administrative work, you know, besides mentoring, uh, in, the, in the writer's studio and then in VMI. So I had decided I wanted to actually um, not do administrative work so much anymore. Um, and, I, and I knew for, right from the beginning, I called it Vancouver Manuscript and Dancing because I knew right from the beginning I would want to have other, another writer or to pick it up later on and I didn't want it to be associated with my name specifically. Right. So anyway, uh, Ali Krasia Gardner and Rancher Rose have taken over as co-directors of the program, and they're even doing more as two directors and younger younger writers and lots of energy. And uh, they invited me to a park last summer nearby to, to tell me something that they had come up with a new initiative in CMI, and that's when they told me about this.
0: Yeah.
1: I was blown away.
0: Yeah, it, it, it after reading Bloodroot, which I, I did uh, recently for the first time, um, I can see um, why an award like this is necessary. Obviously, but it, it's a marvelous tribute to the, the form that that um, that you took on when you wrote Bloodroot. What what was that? Twenty two years ago now? Years
1: ago, and I actually was starting to work in between genres in the mid eighties. Really. Uh, so it, but you know, Joe, I had to, it was almost hopeless for me to get a grant a writing grant because the creative the nonfiction jury would say it's not nonfiction and the poetry jury would say it's not poetry. Sure. And so it's it's changing now. And I I feel like that's a really good sign in terms of you know, last time we talked was about my book Oscar Between and and if anything we know how dangerous and, and destructive the polarity has intense surprise. Right. Uh-huh. So to have a genre now that is saying um it doesn't have to be only in one genre. You know, writers aren't only located in their creativity and how they relate to narrative in one genre. And so, and to me, it's more like lived experience. We don't think, as, you know, as poets, we don't think of poetry all the
2: time. Sure. And yeah. the
1: narrative, we don't think in novels all the time. You know, it does move around. So I'm just really heartened by this. It's been great. And Wade Compton was the first judge who I think highly of also. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was, and when they when they told me about this, I had to walk home about 15 minute walk home, and they gave me this yellow begonia for summertime. And I was walking along down the street, along the the seawall, and home, uh-huh. and I just kept saying, "Wow, wow!" I kept yeah. <laughs> myself from saying "Wow," and people were looking at me, probably like I was a little bit drained
2: <laughs> <laughs> But
1: I couldn't I couldn't help it. It yeah. just was it, it felt so great. For all of us, you indeed, know, indeed.
0: Uh, and, and Cheryl, Yeah, yeah. What? So, what? What is it like for you? Because um, th- this book um, came out in 2000, and then um, has, has just been. Uh, th- there's a new edition, and, and and what what I enjoyed about reading th- this book was that um, there's there's not only an essay from you uh, in the back, um, but th- there's an introductory essay in the front, and and um, uh, you know it, it it's there it it says in there that that um how how influential this book has become yeah,
2: yeah
0: and, and it's it's, it's resonated with readers in, in such a way that you know pe- people have cited it as inspiring their own work yeah. uh, what what did you think when the book came out twenty years ago did did you um have an idea say that 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 um there was something special here
1: i did in that it taught me Everything about it was different than anything I had written before. Everything. Uh, every aspect of it. And I didn't even know what it was for a while. And I, I didn't even trust it. And um, so it's, it's it just taught me so much about narrative and writing. Incredible. And then what was interesting is that it actually, in a way, had that effect on the reader as well because there were uh, a number of uh, readers have told me when they first started reading it there's a scored space that's happening throughout. Yeah, yeah. It's, it represents what can never be said or an, an area in which to kind of absorb what was just happening and, and how it actually connects with you as a reader. Uh, so it, the, the scored space was very much an active part of the narrative. And I had, you know, many, many readers tell me that they couldn't figure out what was going on, they didn't like it. And then within you know, about 10 or 12 pages. They completely were in it, it and it made complete sense to them. Um, and I've had several uh, people who've read it tell me they, they got the book and they got in their car and they were going to, you know, go on to do the next errand. They just opened it up and started reading it and they sat there the whole time and read it. Mm. <laughs> They didn't move, you know. And so there's something about it that is so... It has a certain kind of veracity that people really recognize as readers, no matter who they are. Um, so it did
2: connect right away with
0: the readers. I, I can see where, where um, th- there is this empty space in the book after something that you've written is printed on it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where um, uh, I, I see it in two ways. Um, that uh, the author has had to stop because um, the author has had to, say, think about things or, or not reveal things in some spaces. Right. Um, or the reader can read in that empty space um, exactly. their own story or everything that they've been thinking about uh, with regards to their own life that, that has been provoked by what you've just written.
1: Exactly. And, you know, with Susan Olding's forward, I I just loved how she opened it in terms of being at Sage Hill, which, uh, which is a writing intensive in Saskatchewan. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Uh-huh. Brought in it a few years ago, and um, how she was struggling with a mother narrative in terms of becoming a mother with an adopted daughter. daughter and was really stuck. And uh, then she went to, to look at the books that were in the library for that 10-day ten, ten intensive. Yeah. And it literally fell off the shelf into her hands. <laughs> you know, and it literally did. And so she said that she still, that she to, there were still years that had to pass before she knew how to write this narrative. But that was a turning point for her in terms of knowing she had to do it in a very different
0: way than she had written before. Um, so yeah, her forward is fantastic. Yeah, I I, I, um, I I couldn't wait to finish it. Yeah. Because I wanted to get to the book which I hadn't read before. Yeah, and yeah. And then when I finished your your part of the book, or the original book, if if you will, I went yeah. back to it again.
2: Yeah.
0: Um yeah. Anyway, the the um you you write about this in um. In the original book, and then you reflect on it again, and, and, and I, I can't help but think about it uh, as I talk to you now. It's it's about how our memories work,
1: exactly.
0: And it, it, it's 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 really fascinating to read how um, you have to contend with that in the aftermath. Say in, in in the in the twenty years after the book comes out, and and how you remembered things that that happened and didn't happen quite in the same way. Um, yeah, yeah. It shows, at one point, the importance of, of say, memoir, because um, if you didn't have it written down in the first place, who knows what you would remember today, <laughs> right?
1: Yes, point-tanker. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, yeah. we don't remember as we think we do, and, and, and I think that's the thing that I come away with after reading Blood Root. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because, you know, memory, again, memory, there's no narrative without memory, right? Mm, so yeah. we have to have memory. <laughs> that's number one. And... Uh, thing is, as writers, we have to. I think, anyway, I think we have to continually interrogate our memory, um, because we get into such habits um, and ruts with our memory, and so, yeah, this book definitely exposed that to me because there was a major part of the story that wasn't in Bloodroot that I thought I didn't know about, and then when I was working on the essay that talks about the essay twenty years later. I decided to go through all my books to see anything I had ever mentioned in my mom and myself. And I suddenly discovered halfway through looking at my books, I had known this story. And Mm -hmm. I had convinced myself I didn't know it. And it was a key story. Uh, But, uh, you know, then I had to struggle with why did I do that? And it was a very interesting process to kind of gradually realize, I think this is why I didn't do it. And
0: it's okay. And now I'm so glad I can add this to the story. Twenty years later. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's a as a reader, as, as a nosy person, if you will. <laughs> um, it fills in a lot of the questions I had on, on a first read. Oh. And and it um, yeah, and then it, it makes me question all the things that I remember and 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 things that that you know the order that I remember because I I've, I've noticed um, in recent years that. Um, as I was preparing for a chat, for example, I, w- I was thinking about our first chat uh, yeah. a few years ago. And then I, I, I thought to myself that it was um, not as long ago as it was.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and then I, I um, things, because I read, I don't know if you remember this, but your your book showed up, I think it was an hour before we were supposed to chat. So I hadn't read it. <laughs> And um, I had, but I'd prepared questions, and and I think we ended up talking for, for I think, twice what we had scheduled for. Yeah, yeah. Because it just, we just talked. And um, so there were things about you that I remembered, but that I thought had come out from the chat, but it had come out from reading the book, you know, a couple days later
2: hmm hmm yeah. And yeah. so
0: that was the, the fascinating thing, you, you know, you learned once. I, guess, I how how we how we process our, our memories ourselves, you know.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting hearing you talk about it, but it's almost like when we get quite, really quite certain about a memory.
2: Yeah.
1: It, usually, it usually means that um, there's some slippage there. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's absolutely the more right, yeah. you get, the more you have to kind of want to stop and wait a minute. Yeah.
0: Which is which is again it goes back to the importance of, of of writing this stuff down. That way you can go back and, and check it, right?
1: Exactly. Which and is, also the thing is, what I, which I want to, I work with a lot of writers
0: mm-hmm. who
2: want
1: on their manuscripts, and uh, the tendency then is to want to erase that, and that's that's absolutely. The, I'll use the word wrong. I hardly ever use that word, but I'll say wrong yeah. things do because that is that is. Um, tampering with the narrative, and it's also not trusting the reader to be able to recognize that whole process, mm. and, and draw them in more deeply, right? Yeah. Because it has an authenticity uh, and a complexity that is more um, compelling. Uh, but the tendency is to get rid of it. Uh, so that's one of the things I often work with writers around. Um, don't don't get rid of and erase parts of these processes of, of how this narrative came together. Um...
2: Otherwise,
1: it starts to get really too predictive and kind of flat. Yeah, um, maybe more perfect in a sense,
0: but uh, not really. No. Um, the so, so this has been a book, as I mentioned, has has resonated with readers as such. Um, you obviously have heard back from readers over the years uh, with questions about how to write a memoir. Did you get a nosy questions, say, Betsy, about? Um, the family life or or your your own relationship with your mother because there are things that that are written um there are things that are not written and I'm curious to know if people ask you things about um family life say or or your own life
1: oh you know it's an interesting question and and now you're you're calling you know you're you're challenging me around my memory right? <laughs> but i don't think there was a lot of that no, I think that what happened was. Trigger, and I'm using that in a
2: good
0: sense
1: yeah 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 uh, it triggered so much for the reader um, so there was there was a kind of dynamic relationship between the book and the reader and their own story that um, no I heard I didn't ask that much about, about that because I think again I could be mistaken about this but I and I'm, you know, I'm just making this up as we're talking but mm-hmm. I think kind of wanting to question a narrator, a writer, about lived experience. Um, maybe happens when the, the, the spotlight is is squarely on the narrator, right? Yeah. But when it shifts, and it actually is going back and forth between the reader and the narrator, I think that the, the reader then actually, the questions actually start act, becoming more ones to ask themselves. Um, That's guessing at this but i
2: think
0: that that's that's worth, worth considering <laughs> yeah so at, at the same at, at the by the same uh token do, do you get people um say unburdening themselves to you saying oh this happened to me this happened to me um i i would think that that would be um something that that you know that that's that easy. um would be uh special but at the same time it, it would would be I don't know, unnecessary for you because you, you, you've you written your own story and that's their own yeah. story and, and maybe you don't not, need to hear that, say.
1: If you're describing it, not the way we normally think of that, you know, like you're on a bus and they recognize you and they want to tell you they read their book uh, and, they, you know, uh, you're you're trapped there
2: mm-hmm.
1: for 20 minutes. It wasn't that way. And, you know, again, it's interesting your questions um, because it seemed... They would, they would definitely acknowledge. Boy, I could really relate to this, and you know, I'm in the middle of this,
2: and see
1: sure. this coming down the road. <laughs> myself and my mother, um, but it was more this kind of recognition. And in a sense, I guess what we're talking about, Joe, maybe is that it happened more in that that white space, that underscrape space, the connection when people talk to me. So that's where we met. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and uh, so it was more in a uh, what do you want to say? Is it macro? as uh, contrasted to um, what's macro and micro. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The micro level gets into, oh, this happened to me, da 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 da, you know, but the macro seemed to be more where it happened. Um, I never felt, every time someone came up to me and talked to me about that book, it still happens. Uh, it was really a, a very positive, interesting experience. Um, I didn't ever feel um, cornered. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah so, so I, was, I was reading the book you you, you talk about um, say caring for your mother and your father as as they yeah. they were dying, and yeah. you mention you know your 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 family around you, your brothers Right. Um, and then I read in the essay uh, at the back that that uh, you're the only one left of that immediate family mm. um, and so i I'm curious to know um, what was the reaction to family relations when the book came out?
1: Going
0: for the juggler today. You know, these are things that I've been thinking about, and I, you know, I was going to phone you on the weekend (laughs) and and preview my questions, but I thought, well, no, let's. I'm cool with it. I I like it. Um, Well,
1: this goes back before Bloodroot, Um, and it is in Bloodroot. My first book. This came out in the early eighty one maybe.
0: Is that the book that your mom wanted to take the razor blade to?
1: Yes, and I thought for a long time that she wanted to and my brother stopped her and and it was only after it was only in the last couple of years he corrected me and he said, No, she did she did do that. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked. And I don't know if he didn't indicate that clearly to me or if it was so shocking I changed it
2: to threatened to. So for for people,
0: that I, just, I I I'm sorry to interrupt, but for people listening to this, when I mentioned that the the razor blade incident, what yep. she what she wanted to do was take out parts of the book, like actually yep. cut out of the book uh, yep. things that she didn't want other people to read.
1: Right, exactly. And just her sister, she was going to not mm-hmm. let anybody else. Her husbands couldn't read it. No one else. Yep. And it was about the demise of my marriage. And there was actually nothing really that uh, appalling. It's quite sort of poignant and sad, but Mm -hmm. she couldn't, couldn't, you know, she couldn't tolerate it. So she did take the razor blade. That's when razor blades, you know, they were the straight ones. One had the covering and the other one could cut out. She did cut those pages out, all that section, 20 pages. So I never told my parents uh, or my, that generation, about any of my books after that. Uh, and, And it was one of the reasons I moved to Canada besides the fact that I could see where the United States was going mm, then mm. And where it is now and I just thought, this is so screwed up I yeah. don't know if I can I can live here so I just they knew I taught Eddie.
0: yeah
1: um, but they didn't know about the books and at that point it was okay to do because people weren't on as online as online as much right yeah. it was back ways um, so they did not know about the books and that's what that's the that's um, what I had to do um, because it was very clear message to me. In terms of yeah. my mom, she couldn't, she couldn't handle it. And yeah. what's the point? They didn't have anybody that could actually to talk to about it, um, and uh, they didn't have the support they would need there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was a very conservative rural community, so yeah.
0: And, and, and so your your brothers, yeah. What, what did, because they're, they're, that's their mother as well. Yeah. <laughs> What did they think of Blood Root?
2: Uh,
1: they knew about it. And um, my brother, who moved here and was here for the last 30 some years of his life, and we were very close.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, yeah, he was completely uh, involved in, uh, and recognized a lot of, of the, the book. And when it, I came to a point where I said, I can't think of my mother as a liar. Think of her as having an inventive imagination. Yeah. He said he, he laughed out loud when he read that when he read the book. Um, my other brother is harder for him. He was still in the states. He had definitely a public pres, uh, presence
2: uh-huh.
1: as an academic and a, and a researcher. Um, was much more. Did um, um, his life much more like our folks and our family did? Yeah. So. It was harder for him, but he did. He and his wife did come up for the launch of that book. Mm. Uh, it was the only time they did that. And I, so he did relate to it enough. Um, and because I never referred to myself as an American ever since I moved here, it wouldn't necessarily get. It wouldn't, our, you know, our communication systems with the people who were involved with wouldn't necessarily cross over. Mm. Um, they would now. Um, so. But now now my, both, both my brothers are dead and my parents are dead. And it's a very, I don't know if you've had this experience, but it's a very weird feeling to be the only one left. Uh, and you're the only one that has these memories. And, of course, they're very, very partial. Uh, and you can't really talk to anyone about them very much. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very weird feeling. And so in a way, I'm glad I wrote these books, because there is some kind of presence in them uh, of my family. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, that I'm kind of grateful there is, because otherwise it would really
0: feel like it was just a vacuum, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they are people who are are, um, however one feels about them,
1: yeah. who
0: are who are interesting, who are fascinating, who deserve to be remembered, I guess, in a mm-hmm. way. And which yeah. is which is the reason why I'm, I'm glad I read the book. Yeah. Um, there, there, there's a couple of things that that that. Um, I picked out of the book that I related to that I, that I, I, I just if you could reflect if if you might um, you write in the book as your mother was dying that um, uh, she had two sisters left your aunts, mm-hmm. and that you had bonded with the older generation rather than your own do, do you yeah. wonder why
1: well yes now one the obvious reason was that I was the youngest of all the cousins and there's five years between the next mm-hmm. one close to my age. You know, five years is quite a bit of time between siblings, and, and there was a cousin who was also five years. Um, so, I thought for, again, decades, that it was just because I was much younger that I didn't get included very much. Um, when the, you know, our family, My family got together a lot. Um, so, um, I wasn't shunned, but I just wasn't included, so I kind of just did my own thing. Um, but now, and even, even in the last few years, we doing this essay, and the blood was coming out again. I'm realizing it was also that um, my, my mom, because she had this profound uh, postpartum depre- depression, which I didn't know about, mm-hmm. uh, over three years, um, a couple of my aunts kind of kept track of what was going on and tried to do a little extra to kind of watch out for me and uh, tune in to me. So, um, well, you know, when kids when they're six, seven, eight, teenagers, whatever at the college, you know, and you're not thinking that way,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. And
1: so that's where it happened. Um, With that, uh, my parents' generation and my grandparents, um, I felt more. There's more conversation, there's more being with uh, them than my generation. Um, So, um, yeah, I think that's basically what it's about. Um, Also, they were the storytellers. You You know, my generation, they were not. And that was our major activity when the family got together, after dessert, sitting around the the big dining room table, and particularly the aunts starting to tell the stories. and
2: that I was there 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: was hearing those stories. Yeah. And so my generation, we've we completely lost that. You know, we used to get together as a family. There were 60 of us at one point. Wow. In seven different states on Christmas Eve. And it was amazing. We always, all came together at Christmas Eve. And it, this is my mom's side. And it was incredible. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah,
1: So, but then it stopped because it was no longer tenable. In my generation, we all, almost, all of us moved far afield. Um, so there was I was just on the very tail end of that kind of storytelling being together and
2: uh, that changed yeah,
0: yeah. what's the um, the, the uh, these last 18 months what have they been like for you in, in terms of, of um, uh, <laughs> doing your work say and, and, and creating the communities or cultivating the communities that you've created over the years how, how has that been for you
1: um, like everybody, uh, it's been a variety of things. Um, one way I'm fortunate is that I tend to be fairly solitary. I mm-hmm. need a fair amount of time alone, and my work requires that. And I've moved from manuscript consults in person to all online and by phone. Uh-huh. And, um, and that's worked out fairly well. Um, actually, better than what, fairly well. It's worked out well. Yeah. Um, so, and I've been teaching online, and I've had to, you know, I've been teaching this one course, Memoir of Inquiry, for a long time, but I still had to completely redo it for being online. Right. It's a whole different spatial environment. And so it took me a lot of time to redo the whole thing, uh, but then it worked. It worked online. Um, so there were challenges in that respect. There were challenges in that uh Box of Dune came out in 2019. And it was the first launch that had to be switched to a um, virtual launch right. that happened out here. And that was quite a challenge to figure out how to do that. Um, and then I had an opera based on Oscar between the, the books that I talked to you about a few uh, years ago uh-huh. that had to be canceled. And now that's, now we're trying to put that all together again. And all the people we are working with, they're all tight they're all now connected with other projects, the singers, the directors, mm-hmm. the dramaturgs. And also, it's been a lot of feeling, particularly in the last four months, I'd say, of things keep falling apart. Yeah. You know, oh. on all my work situations, they keep falling apart. I was doing a, a workshop at Hollyhock for a week with writers, Code meeting with Shana Lambert, and her mother's son, who was in palliative de and was very close, also a writer, Department member, and had died. So we had to cancel it. The last minute, you know, almost. It's being really booked in the screen But everything's been falling apart. Yeah. And I found it really challenging um, because there's nobody who can fix it for you. You have to somehow, if you're a freelancer, you have, to,
2: yeah. you have to,
1: you know, kind of keep reconfiguring it in some way. So it's been hard sometimes. And just, I'm coming up to my brother's uh, second anniversary mm. from when he died. And so... Um, there's this, every so often, you know, like with blood would come in and I'm really struck again what it seems that they not have family, of I mean, anyone in knew immediate family left, including um, uh, in-laws. There is one in-law who is uh, and she lives in New York and I'm very fond of her, but we have not had a close connection for many, many years. Yeah. Um, so, I think it just brings out areas for all of us that are vulnerable, yeah, yeah. And um, we have to come somehow think about it and engage with it, and we can't do it the same way we did in the past.
2: You Indeed, know? Yeah. Some of those
1: strategies work, and some forget it. You know, they don't even apply.
2: Indeed. You know,
1: so it's challenging, as um, people will say often. But I feel it's taught me a lot too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I feel the same way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, think, yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. In fact, I even heard you with one of your ones that you asked this question to, to with a couple of other interviews uh, you've done recently. And um, it certainly made me clear of what's really precious,
2: you know. Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, I think it's really good to talk about. What I'm doing um, I should mention, Joe, is I didn't want to do a book launch uh, for Blood Red. I
2: uh-huh. just
1: think various things about it just been, didn't feel right. So I've asked of my author friends to read take excerpts from the book that that they really resonate with and give a two-minute reading and it could be anywhere in the book or the essays um and they're going to read first and it's going to be a performance a live stream performance so they're going to read and then i'm going and i'm going to know what they are reading about a week ahead of time and base my like 10 minute mm. max reading on that yeah. So it's actually just focusing on the book and not in, you know, in the story and how it's connecting among us uh, as daughters whose mothers have died. And some of their mothers died 30 years ago, some died a year ago. So it's, um, I feel much better about it. It's from Massey Books and the Massey Gallery. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: It's taken, again, a lot to figure out how to put it together uh, logistically and conceptually. But I think we finally got it pulled together. And... Uh, one of the writers whose mother died just over a year ago is, is still in England, uh, in her mother's home and they're selling the property and all that stuff. So that'll come in, um, on Zoom. But it will be on Zoom and Facebook, uh, uh-huh. and, uh, so that created, that sort of provoked me to do it, things differently. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Everybody, Likes the idea of it. Uh, I just hope it works.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can't see how it can't work, and, and I'm I'm looking forward to, to seeing that. You, I'll, I'll certainly um, look for, to watch it for sure. Um, Betsy, I cannot tell you um, how much I enjoyed our chat. Five it's five years ago. I can't believe that it was that long ago. And um, and reading Bloodroot and talking to you about that now, um, how much I've enjoyed this as well. Um, I hope it's not another five years that we talk next.
2: Yeah,
1: same. I know, and I always enjoy it very much, too. I think you're, what you're doing is really, Joe, it's really important, it's really unique, um, and we need this, you know, we really need this kind of conversation, and so I'm I'm just very grateful for what
0: you're doing. Thank you very much, Betsy. The website for more is at BetsyWarland.com. The book is called Blood Root, Tracing the Untelling of Mother Loss, It's uh, published by Inanna Publications. It's author Betsy Worland. Join me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.